Turn in your Old Testaments to Exodus 35, verses 30 through 35. Exodus 35, verses 30 through 35. This is kind of an interesting moment to have a goober from Quincy, Florida, preach to you about art and the uh, beauty and the wonder of art. One Christian artist, as I've done a lot of reading and just a lot of looking and hearing of of art uh, in preparation for this, one Christian artist asked a, a great question for believers in Jesus to consider. And the question is this, and I'd like to start here. Is art just another way to bring worldliness and sin in the back door of Christianity? Or is art a wonderful gift that God has given so that we might create and enjoy this world? The answer is yes. But I would like to make the case to you this morning out of the scriptures that we really should tilt toward art being a gift of God to create and enjoy in his creation with discernment with discernment but i'd like to back it up one more foundational question and that question simply is what is art now that's almost fighting words you know there's so many passionately held views of what art is so let's just go straight to miriam webster all right and uh what is art the dictionary defines art as quote the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty and emotional power. Now, there are many definitions, but I'd like to give you a one-sentence definition of art that I think really is at the heart of what God would want us to to grasp and why art is important is simply this art is imagination projected into reality through human creative action let me just say that again it's something beyond what we every one of us would see it's imagination projected into the real world into reality through human creative action that is art Edith Schaefer says whatever it is surely art involves creativity and originality. Whatever form art takes, it gives outward expression to what would otherwise remain locked in the mind and unshared. Now, I'd like for us to not think of art as this is the simple grace of beauty and art. I want us to not think of art simply in terms of what what people call fine art. That their art is not just what you would see in a gallery, Art is not just what you would see in a museum. Art includes the buildings that you see. Architecture is art. There is design of many kinds. There is poetry, prose, music, opera, drama, filmmaking, and dance, and much more that would be included in this this wider notion of imagination projected into reality through human creative action. So the question this morning is, the main one, how will believers in Christ interact with art? 
And why is it important? The Bible makes clear that Christians should willingly, intelligently, and joyfully interact with art. To appreciate it, to enjoy it, and to produce it. Now, the primary reason for the legitimacy of art has to do with the fact that God is the original artist. That God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. And when we read the days of creation, we find out that in six successive days, when God could have just all at once created everything just like that, right? But no, we see God as this artist who works on one thing at a time, one day after a time with great skill and artistry and beauty, and the words woven through that narrative are, it is good, it is very good. But then, on the sixth day, God created the crowning achievement of His creation. The most complex, the most beautiful, and genius of all His creatures. And that was us. It's interesting that up until the sixth day, when you read the narrative in Genesis... You, you hear the wor- these words, and God said, let there be light. Let there be creatures in the sea that teem. Let there be this, let there be that. But when God created man, if you've ever noticed this little difference, it's important. It's not God speaking it. These are the words, let us make man in our image. Let us form man. You see, everything else is simply by His Word. Then He takes the medium of clay, literally, and forms out of the clay, like a skillful artist, this beautiful, complex, brilliant creation of man in His very image. Genesis 2-7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Meaning, we are the high art of God. The highest art of God, complete with intellectual capacity like God, not as great as God, moral capacity like God, physical capacities and emotional capacities beyond any of the other creatures, and distinct from all the other creatures, the ability to think abstractly and creatively and to be creative and to bring imagination into the realm of reality through creative action. It's beautiful. Hence the title this morning of this sermon, God's Highest Art, Creating Art. That is why art is important because God is the original artist. He's a creative being. We are made in His image and we create. And human beings are very busy creating. Everywhere you turn, there is art. You cannot get away from art. You cannot get away from seeing it, from hearing the composition of some form of auditory art and visual art and all kinds of art. The songs you hear, they are art. 
the articles that you read, the books you read, they are art. Your car is art. It's not just wheels and a motor. It's actually designed to blend form and function, beauty and function. You don't buy a car simply because it rolls. It's art, you see. The billboards that you see, believe it or not, are art. Buildings are art. Your grocery store is art. The displays and where they're put and how they're put to attract your attention to get you to buy certain things are in them are art. Photographs are art. Your clothes, the very ones you're wearing right now, are art. And you chose them not just because they would cover your naked body. Why did you choose the clothes you're wearing this morning? Because you like them. Because you thought they were beautiful. There was something to them that you preferred. And you have adorned yourself with art as you've come to this place. All these things are designed, created. Now, they're not considered all fine art. But they are imagination brought into reality. God, the designer, loves design. How do we know that? The scriptures tell us that. Scriptures tell us that God designed the heavens and the earth. And then we move along in the Bible and we get to particular narratives of events that are recorded in the scriptures that God actually designed, dictated, and even suggested who would build the tabernacle, what it would look like according to God's design, that it would include colors not found in nature, that it would include all kinds of beautifully carved, embroidered, painted, sculpted art. It is amazing. And God gives the specific instructions in the building of His house down to what the curtains should look like. Down to the very uniform that the high priest would wear and 12 beautiful jewels representing the tribes of Israel, bedecking the, the, the breastplate of the high priest and, and, and this beauty, all dictated by God. Can you imagine with me for a moment how exquisite the Ark of the Covenant must have been in its overlay of gold and the lid of that box that contained the Ten Commandments and other things, the mercy seat representing the holiness of God and the mercy of God. And coming up off the lid of that are two angelic creatures fashioned out of gold, the cherubim with wings toward one another, representing those beings in the presence of God that have to hide their faces and cover their own feet, cannot stand before a holy, holy, holy God. It must have been amazing. But God, in this particular passage today, and there are lots that we could have read, I want to read the one, or one of the ones, where not only is God dictating what to do, He's saying this precise people who are going to do it, who have that skill and are given that ability, who are artists, 
to the glory of God. If you'll turn to Exodus 35, 30 through 35, then Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. God has chosen this artist. Isn't that amazing to you? That this guy's named. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill and ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. To make, hear these words, artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both to him and Ohelalib, son of whoever, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen. Listen to these words, designers embroideries in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers and all of them master craftsmen and designers. That's an amazing passage of Scripture. So what do we learn from it? We learn two things that I'd like to point out this morning from this passage of Scripture. Number one is we learn that God, the original and master artist, loves art. He loves it so much that He commissioned it. He loves it so much that He actually picked the people to do it and gave them the skill and told them exactly what to do. So God is, is art like good in God's eyes? Yes. God's an artist. But there is something else we learn from this passage about the nature of art. And it has to do with the fact that we learn that art does not have to have a practical function to be valid. You see, you, let's go back to the tabernacle. You could do all the functions of the tabernacle without all the paintings on the goblets. You could do it with, with, without the carvings, without the curtains in the tabernacle and, and the walls made of curtain and, and embroidery. Why do we need all those pictures? I mean, why don't we just throw a big, uh, you know, white canvas over the thing, be done with it, get to worship faster. The priest doesn't have to wear beautifully adorned robes and, and jewels on his chest to be able to raise a prayer on behalf of God's people, does he? I mean, why don't we just let him wear a sheet, cut a hole for his head, put a sheet over him, and let him get to work? You see, the, the art doesn't really have a function that is practical. So why is art worthwhile? If it doesn't do anything for us, why would God be so interested in it? And why should we? You see, God, in his, this passage, is not only saying, I'm an artist, I love art, and I want my house to be beautiful, and you are going to make it so. But God, in these passages, is saying that art exists for its own sake, for the sake of beauty, without any direct practical use. 
Why do the goblets look that way? Because they're more beautiful that way. And God wants them beautiful. Art doesn't always make the function of something better, but it can make it more beautiful and imaginative and open up thoughts and feelings through exploration and discovery. And it can ennoble the thing, bring nobility to the thing that the art is about. So the Bible declares that this art was for beauty simply because God wanted it. Second Chronicles 3, 6, under the command of God, listen to these words, and Solomon, this is about the temple, you know, build God's house, take two. Um, and Solomon, it says, adorned the house of God with precious stones for beauty. There it is. For beauty. For the purpose of beauty. Francis Schaeffer in his article, Art, on the Bi- Art in the Bible, and, uh, and, excuse me, Art and the Bible, which I would recommend to you, says art is not something we merely analyze or value for its intellectual content alone. Although art does say something, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. He says it's also something to be enjoyed. It's beautiful. The Lutheran theologian Frederick Buechner famously said, Beauty is to the spirit what what food is to the flesh. It fills an emptiness in you which nothing else can fill that way. Meaning that we are made in the image of God who is beautiful and creative. And you cannot be successfully human and fully functioning as a human without beauty. Without art. Because we're made in the image of God, the artist, the creator, the one who loves beauty, even if it doesn't do nothing for you. But be beautiful and inspire. The modern poet Lewis Hyde put it this way, a work of art is a gift and not just a commodity. I love that. A a work of art is a gift and not just a commodity because rooted in the genius and beauty of God, art does raise our imaginations. Art so often brings new focus and new ideas and emotions about the thing that it signifies. I'll give you a great example. Right here in Mississippi, they're everywhere. War memorials. You go to a downtown of a little town in Mississippi, and if the courthouse isn't in the middle, you know what's in the middle. It's a big obelisk or it's a statue of some sort. It's a war memorial. It has to do with people from that town who died in a war. It's memorializing them and usually at the base of this statue or this piece of art, these words are inscribed. Do you know what the words are? Can anybody tell me? Lest we forget. Thank you. Do you know why they write lest we forget on the bottom of it? Because they don't want us to forget. And not only do they not want us to forget, they want us to remember in a particular way that the art conveys that there was sacrifice, that there was a cause, that there was something noble, that there was something in blood that was given for you that is so worthy 
that aren't has to say it. And not just some inscription in the history book that's long been closed. You know, Nicholas Walterstorff was talking about statues and and art recently. I listened to a, a speech that he gave. I've met him before. And he's really got great ideas on art and has written books on it from a Christian perspective. He said, I dare say that we remember Abraham Lincoln more emotionally through the Lincoln Memorial than from the simple fact that a city in Nebraska was named after him. That is so right. Have you ever been to the Lincoln Memorial? Raise your hand if you've been to the Lincoln Memorial. Okay, thank you very much. It's colossal. You stand in front or sit, whatever, in front of the Lincoln Memorial. You look up at this colossal, and I don't care what you think about Lincoln right now. That's not what this is about. Um, We're talking about this piece of art. You look at it, and what are the things you notice? You you notice the big hands. You notice the posture. You notice, you're you're like, there's something that's coming from that art to you. You look at the face of Lincoln, and what do you see? Is he smiling? No. He's got a sense of travail and heaviness and pondering about him, and we are transported back into those days and, and how significant and how heavy and all that, that, that you, from the art, you get the sense that this man is bearing all of that. It's amazing. Yes, God the artist has given us the ability to create and to enjoy art and the imagination that art conveys. Edith Schaefer goes further. And I really appreciate this, and this is where we're going to go to a different direction on art. She says, you know, she didn't say you know, she says, quote, a Christian above all people should live artistically should live aesthetically and creatively. We are supposed to be representing the Creator who is there and whom we acknowledge to be there. The cross sets us free from our sin and alienation before a three times holy God that when we put our trust in what Jesus has accomplished and completed and finished on the cross, rather than our own works, rather than our own religious efforts, God takes our sin away because of Jesus' sacrifice and He gives us a relationship. And now we know the one true and living God personally. Now the Scriptures open up. Now we see the beauty. Now we begin to see creation. Now we begin to see the order and the wonder of things. Now we can see the beauty of art. And the empty tomb, the resurrection, gives us new life, new nature, and new eyes to see that beauty. N.T. Wright, whom we do not agree with everything he writes, did write a great article on beauty called Let Beauty Awake, where he said, the empty tomb has brought new life. And I love this sentence. 
And through believers, let's loose beauty in the world. There's new life. And because of resurrection life and the power of that new and eternal life connected with God, it lets loose beauty in the world. He goes on to say, and this new spirit and new life will rightly generate new forms, new art. New possibilities and new delights because of the direct connection with God the artist, our Redeemer, the lover of our soul. But not everybody who loves Jesus loves the arts. Far from it, my friends. I would say most evangelical, Bible believing Christians are quite nervous about the arts. And I think that it is not an understatement to say that the last five generations have almost vacated the arts to the secularists who have separated aesthetics from God, the artist. Look, Some art is dark. Yes. Some art has the meaning that life has no meaning. I mean, you look at some art and you just want to shake the artist and say, you can only use the man's inhumanity to man card to explain your art so many times. The artist's worldview does come through in the art And therefore, there is required a kind of discernment, just as you would not put any kind of food or something that's not food, you wouldn't eat it. We have to individually make decisions as believers informed by God's Word about art. But dear brothers and sisters, discerning within art is better than just rejecting and vacating art. Though there is a lot of confused and even degrading art, hear me, we abandon art to our peril and the peril of our children. And I'll tell you why. We think that abandoning art will save our children. But all it will do years later is put our children and our children's children in the midst of a culture that is almost exclusively informed by the art of others. Much of which is pessimistic, nihilistic, meaning there's no meaning to life, narcissistic or cynical. When they could have been informed not only through art forms such as that. And by the way, not all people who do not know Jesus have cynical art. They're made in the image of God. There's beautiful, wonderful, redemptive art made by all kinds of people. So I'm not trying to suggest that an artist has to be Christian to to paint beautifully. That's not my... But I'm talking about discernment here. And our children will grow up with the lack of our input if we seed the arts. Nancy Piercy, in her book, Total Truth, I've read the book three times. It's not an easy read. It's a long kind of book, and you've got to read it slowly. But I really recommend it. Total truth. She said, Christians watch helplessly, standing by with hardly a clue 
as to how to impact culture, relate to the arts, or make any impact at all. The current state of affairs is a vast departure from the role of the arts in church history. For the past 2,000 years, the church has been the force which has influenced the art, arts more than any other force. And then she says, but now Christians seem to be alienated from the arts. And folks, that's just too simple. And it's culturally dangerous. Art is a simple grace to experience beauty, imagination projected into the real world through human creativity and skill. But it is not a simple grace only to us, but through us to the world. And we not only need to appreciate art and enjoy art, we need to create it as Christ's followers. We need to be leading more in the arts rather than simply retreating from the arts. The Reformed World and Life view, the theology of this church is Reformed theology out of the Reformation. It says basically that all of life is equally sacred and all of it needs to be brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All of it is to be beautified through the, the impact and influence of humble and creative and loving believers. And I will tell you, that has not been the prevalent worldview in the church in the last five generations. And the Reformed world and life view simply will not support a purely fundamentalistic, separatistic view of art. Where everything's fine except art. One author says, in the crisis in art today, the only way forward is to put back together what ought have never been separated. God and art need to come once more into the same room and do business with each other. I love that. God and art need to come into the same room once more and do business with each other. We need more Believing painters and not less. We need more believing playwrights and novelists. We need believers more and more to be singers. Let them sing. Let them dance with great skill and beauty. Let them compose and play music, let them carve in stone and wood, and let them craft in words. Let them design in all phases. Let them build the most imaginative buildings in our future. Let them direct, and let them draw, and let them praise the Lord in so many creative ways that impact our culture more than you and I have the ability to actually be aware of. Do you like art? Are you growing in your ability to enjoy art? Now, I've had the privilege in my 49 years of going to some of the great art museums in the world and spending lots of time. It's a great something I enjoy greatly. 
And I will tell you that my perspective about light and color and dimension and depth and the way people see life has been changed through those discoveries and that imagination that comes through art. Look, if I go to Washington, D.C., you're not going to find me most of the time in the Air and Space Museum. I love the Air and Space Museum. Like the guys love the Air and Space Museum. You can find me in the National Gallery of Art. You're not going to find me, I mean, you can, but generally, you're not going to find me at a national, Washington Nationals baseball game. You're going to find me in the National Cathedral. Sitting in my favorite places with leisurely wonder and appreciation of beauty that originally comes from God Himself. Now, I cannot do it myself. Art. But I am the son of a really fine watercolor artist. So I do love my colors. I cannot, do not have an accomplished singing voice in public. But I am a very accomplished private singer. <laughs> filling empty spaces with loud tones. And I hope you never sneak up behind me while it's happening. I love art. And I love Jesus. What about you? You see, there's just something about art. But I would say this, as we kind of move toward the end, there's something even about the artistic ways of people. The artistic ways of people. I, I feel like I need to say something about where we, we live. About Jackson, Mississippi. Because this is where we live, move, and have our being not in the Louvre, not in the Prado, not in the National Gallery of Art, or the Met. I find Jackson, Mississippi to be a very artistic place. If you have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. Not that there are thousand-year-old Gothic cathedrals dotting the landscape everywhere in our town. No, what I see here is, is a beautiful form and forms of art that is more personal and relational. Women, for instance, are simply more accessorized and decorated here than other places. And there's just something about the way people hear more than any other place I've lived. Just kind of go out a little extra to, do, to make things special for people. They just, people around here just love to put a little bow on everything and make it special. And what they're trying to say is, you're valuable enough for me to go the extra mile to give you something, not just that tastes good or will do something, but something of beauty out of my heart. I find that here in spades. This is a place where crown molding is prevalent, though it has no real construction purpose. Look around you. Why is there wainscoting in our box? One day we're going to have a big vaulted ceiling. Uh, not in this room. But why is there is no function for any of that, except for it's just prettier than bare walls. I find that around this place, 
It's a place where flowers and bushes are literally and painstakingly placed so that there is a symphonic show of color in the spring anticipated that others can enjoy. It's a place where food not only tastes delicious, you can look at me and see I've tasted a lot of it, but it's presented beautifully. And I am so taken by the graciousness of people here and the way you express beauty and art personally in so many wonderful and nurturing ways to people. I may have this wrong. I meant to ask somebody. You're supposed to get it right before you preach. But I believe I remember there's only three places in the world where the international ballet competition happens in this world. I think if I remember correctly, they are Paris, right? Tokyo, and Jackson, Mississippi. The opera in Jackson, Mississippi is the 10th oldest opera in the United States of America with a rich and wonderful history. We have a university here called Bellhaven University that is the only accredited Christian college in the arts. If you're a Bellhaven student, raise your hand. And how many of you are in the arts? And they're not even back yet. Some of them are. The majority of them that I know are training in the arts. And it is beautiful. And this is a place that, have you noticed, loves pottery. I've never been in a place where people like pottery before like this. Because they love their art. They love original paintings and they want to buy one. This is a place where music from two and a half hours south, jazz, and an hour and a half north, blues, is preserved and savored. This is a place where many of the greatest writers in American history have come from and not a few poets. This is the place, our place, that is just filled with art and artistically acting people. You see, art is everywhere. The question is not whether you will engage art. But the question for believers in Christ is how you will decide to interact with that beauty called art. Yes, it is one of the simple graces of God, a gift to us from the original artist. And I close simply with this exhortation. So make it. Draw something. Write something. Compose something. Play something. Create Appreciate it. Preserve it. Support it. And enjoy it. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to the reality of the wonder, not only of your creation, but the creating that is going on in this world We pray, Lord, that you would cause believers to engage art and create and that the future would be influenced by the art that reflects glory and grace 
and community. And Lord, thank You for that day that because of Christ, we will open our eyes in a new heavens and new earth and see beauty yet beyond anything we have ever discussed or could ever imagine and be with you in that place that you are preparing even now for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.